What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. another episode of the king's pulse podcast i am brendan nunez we have rich ivanowski on here today as well and we have a special guest with guest with us that is sanjish one of the writers for sacktown royalty how you doing man good how about you guys doing good appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk with us uh, no problem thank you for having me once again yeah man stoked to have you here sanjish uh, we know that you've been writing a bunch of articles on wing free agents uh coming up this summer so you're a great you're a great guy to have on here for this episode um i'm gonna kind of explain what we're doing today we've done it before with shooting guards and point guards uh, but yeah we just want to break down the free agent market this summer it's coming up on us really fast less than a week away and it becomes kind of arbitrary at times who's a small forward who's a shooting guard who's a power forward it gets really you know it the lines blur a lot but i put out a tweet with the list that i'm working from myself if you guys want to use that list that's great if you want to throw some guys on there that i categorize as a shooting guard or a power forward that's totally fine too but i figure what we'll do is kind of just work top down from who we think the best players out there are uh, and down to the minimum or near minimum guys. And I figured that we could start with, I mean, we mentioned this last episode, working with the idea and the assumption that Harrison Barnes would be back. Maybe we can talk on the money a little bit with you, Sanji, see what you think. But what we've thrown around on bringing him back would be a four-year, $80 million contract, um, and we explored on even potentially going upwards of that or maybe a bit below. Does that sound about right to you for a Harrison Barnes co- contract this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he goes very low. I I don't think he goes higher than 20. I hope it's 20, and I hope it's also like 19 or 18, but if it's in that 18 to 20 million range, that would be great, I think. Yeah, Just lock him up for the next four years. Yeah, it sounds like we're all on the same page. That's what Greg had mentioned as well. I, I think anything below 20, we all feel like that's money in the bank. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, and I talked about it yesterday, so I won't go into it again. But I'm also not going to be too upset if it's a little over 20. Yeah, and your reasoning being that, I mean, if we're looking at these small forwards, that top tier, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, um, I'll put Kevin Durant in there too. I know you have him as a power forward. Those are all max guys. Um, I mean, I'll take any of them on the Kings. It just doesn't feel the most realistic. And then yeah. the tier right after that, it feels like Harrison Barnes and Bogdanovich are the next tier by themselves. And I mean, Barnes just fits perfectly. The defense that he offers over Bogdanovich, there's no point in swapping the two. You would think Indiana's likely going to hold on to Bojan as well. So Barnes just very clearly seems like he's going to one that's, he's the one that's going to be able to fill this small forward hole that's been there for a while in Sacramento now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't even high on Barnes at first with like the interest in Otto Porter. So I was skeptical when they traded for him, but they got a great return. They only gave up Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. And the way Barnes just fit right in, besides like the first couple of games where his three-point shooting was really bad, he ended up fixing that like immediately and it became really stable. I think if you can just lock him up for the next four years, maybe even like a player option with the last year, the Kings have their small forward for the future, no doubt. I love that. I love what you had said yesterday too, Brennan, about how you add in Barnes, and he's just another part of the core. And to me, that's such a rare thing. 
uh, when you got a young team and you can add another piece essentially out of thin air, essentially with just cap space and and some guys that weren't they didn't feel like a huge part of this team. Uh, that's a big deal. And so yeah, like you said, we have I have Kawhi, Jimmy, and Chris Middleton as my one, two, three, and I don't think that those guys are really worth discussing. They feel out of the range of Sacramento, to be sure. I'm yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna assume you guys agree. Yeah. If not, um, just let me know. But but yeah, then like you said, Barnes and, and Bogdanovich. I wanna just talk about Bogdanovich for a second because I'm just so impressed by the season that he had. I mean, he took a huge jump this this year. And perhaps part of that was Oladipo not being available for a lot of it. And so the, you know, the role of number one scorer fell to him. But, uh, I mean, he, he is really incredible. His efficiency was incredible. He really did it all. He's not the most versatile defensive player. Um, in fact, there's an interesting stat about him that I'll just throw out there. He was a guy who, after 2,000 minutes had gone by in the season, I saw someone tweet this out there that that's the most amount of minutes that a guy went in the, in the history of the NBA without recording a block uh, since Muggsy Bogues, who was Jeez. like five, eight, right. Or maybe, yeah. maybe I'm overestimating that, but he did eventually get one block. So not a, not like a, not a playmaker on defense, but a solid defender. And yeah, I mean, 18 points a game and, you know, 42% from three, he really had a breakout year. Yeah, he's a he's a really good pure shooter. Um, but the thing is, if you're not getting well, we're assuming that the Kings are going to bring back Barnes and there's no reason to bring Bogdanovich on the team. But if Barnes were to not come back somehow, which is probably never going to happen, I hope not, um, then Bogdanovich immediately becomes my uh, number one target. He could fit right in with his three point shooting. The Kings could definitely use his caliber of three point shooting. Um, I agree. He's not the best defender as well. But he's arguably the best small forward available after Barnes. Yep. I mean, like you said, Rich, I mean, and you too, Sanjis, the shooting is insane here. I mean, 42.5% from deep on nearly five attempts. He was playmaking by himself or uh, shot creating with Oladipo going down, being the number one scorer on this team. But I do think that his defense, I, I mean, it's not terrible, but Indiana was one of the best defensive teams, so they did a very good job of hiding mm-hmm. him in a way of how I, I just don't believe in his defense the same way. I think that he's capable, uh, but that's the big difference between him and Barnes here for me. Um, the shot creation that, Bog- that Bogdanovich has versus the defense that Barnes brings, and we have enough offense on the rest of the team that Barnes just doing his shot. Uh, his spot up shooting and 40 plus percent from deep from him as well. Plus the defense puts Barnes over Bogdanovich for me for, for the Kings. Plus Barnes is also a good uh, playmaker out of the post. I wrote about it a few months ago um, when he first came in, like his post playmaking, just putting him out there on the block by himself and being able to either create his own shot out of the post or attract in a second defender and kick it out to one of Buddy Heald or Bogdanovich or Fox for a three or finding in cutters. I think that was also a valuable aspect of his game that went like under the radar. Yeah, for sure. And there's also the, it's not a huge gap, but the age advantage goes to Barnes as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boyan's uh, three years older than him. So I I totally agree with you guys that if there's, you know, number one option is going to be Barnes. If he can't come back though, you're absolutely right. That Boyan would be my, my second guy, but then it kind of drops off into a tier of elite backups. And I'll run down these names. If you guys want to talk about them or pick someone out of there, let me know. And, and let me know if you think that my tiers are off too. The next three guys I have are Ariza, Terrence Ross and Kelly Oubre. Um, I'm going to back up on Trevor Ariza. Um, I think he had a pretty rough season. I mean, the wizards in general were rough. But he's 34 years old. His shooting efficiency really dropped. His defensive efficiency also dropped. I think opponents shot like 40% from three when he guarded on 3.6 attempts. So that's not like a good number. And they also shot 55% on overall attempts when Ariza was guarding. But I see um, I see Ariza probably going to the Lakers, I think, in a backup role. Because I don't think the money... He's probably going to get at least eight or nine mil, in my opinion, somewhere. Um 
but I can definitely see him going to the Lakers in a backup role, probably being a backup to LeBron, of course. He's a versatile two, three, four guy who can defend all those three positions, but I don't think the Kings could use a 34-year-old that is not as good as he once was on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I'm the same way with you here. And I had difficulty determining was his defense down just because there was no reason to really have his intensity playing in Phoenix and Washington, two of the worst teams in the league, or was he just slower? I mean, he wasn't moving his feet laterally. He would fall asleep on help defense, but you almost with him being such a proven defender and three and D guy veteran, you almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt that just because he was on these teams, the effort level wasn't there. Um, I agree with you. I think that especially in the Lakers, a reason makes a lot of sense there. And that price range feels about right. It could even go higher because we are talking about how hard it falls off. And those three guys that Rich mentioned, it does feel like this next tier to me. And then after that, you take even another step down and then you get really ugly really fast. So I think that some of these small forwards are going to get more money than what their value might be just because some of these other ones are not available. Um, I see Ariza and really also Terrence Ross Kelly Oubre as likely uh, I would view them as a little bit of an overpay and I don't quite have the interest in these guys in the backup three role yeah this to me it feels like these guys are probably just above where the Kings want to look assuming that they did secure Harrison Barnes uh, back to that starting job because you're going to be paying a premium for Ariza or Ross or Uber to, to back you, uh, to back him up. Um, it does feel like those guys are more like low end starters than, than six men or something like that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, let me ask you guys about Uber specifically because I know that Tim over at STR has for a long time picked him as like the, the overpay of this summer is his projection for, for Uber. So. I mean, he's been putting up some of those big numbers, and and based on what Tim has seen, he feels like it's a lot of empty numbers. But what do you guys think about that? Um, I think like if you're getting Uber, is also like an inconsistent player, kind of in the sense of Willie. Like if he shows up, he shows up, but sometimes he doesn't, and then you're not getting the best out of him. Um, he was a really good scorer with Phoenix, but they also didn't have a lot of whole options behind Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. So it made sense that Ubre was that that third um, main scorer as a small forward. They didn't have a good point guard either. Um, he's not really proficient from three. I think he shot like in the thir- low thirties. Um, he does it. He is able to defend though. I saw that he's a when opponents shoot threes on the perimeter, they shoot only thirty three point five percent when he's guarding. Um, I hope he stays with the Suns because he just seemed like a better fit there. He gives them a good scoring option. Um, but he also probably does cost a lot. I'd probably say he gets 12 or 13 a year if someone tries to lure him over from a restricted free agent. But I probably bet the Suns um, match a reasonable offer for him. I think it's about the same range as you said there. I think I could see anywhere from 10 to 15, and it is staying in Phoenix. And I think part of it is, I mean, we talk about how the Kings really value guys that want to be in Sacramento. I mean, Phoenix finally found someone that feels like he wants to stay in Phoenix, and that is just going to be extremely rare for that situation. They need this small forward, even though Oubre doesn't quite feel like a small forward. Most of the time when I define positions, I in today's NBA, I mean, you can run a point guard, three wings, and a center. So really the question is, who are you guarding defensively? And at times, I'm not comfortable with Kelly Oubre guarding the opposing threes. A lot of times you'll see him covering the two and positions like that. So I think that he will get overpaid, but just because he happens to be staying in Phoenix, I don't see the offers being there from the rest of the league necessarily. I think one guy that gets overpaid is going to be Terrence Ross. Um, his numbers really stand out at you, and he's a pure six man. He didn't start a single game this year with Magic. Um, he was also, surprisingly, he had the second highest usage rate in Orlando, and he came off the bench. Uh, he had a 23.9% usage rate behind Vucevic, of course. Um, and then Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier were right behind him. Um, if he were to come to the Kings, you know, he obviously gives you 15 points a game off the bench, but I don't necessarily think he will get that exact number or close to it because of how many options the Kings have with Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Barnes, Bagley, then how much do you give Ross, especially off the bench? 
but he would be a really good, really good scorer off the ball. I think he's like a 38% three-point shooter. He can create his own shot. He finishes at the rim. He's an athletic guy as well, and he's a pretty good defender too, despite being listed like six, 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 seven. I think. Um, but the thing is, he can't guard the four position, which I think the Kings would probably benefit from, rather than another guy who defends the two and three. But I, I'm betting that Ross gets overpaid this summer. You know, I would argue that I don't think his defense is there. I feel like he's very close to a black hole on the defensive end, honestly. I mean, the offense is amazing. He's got the nickname of the Human Torch in Orlando for a reason. When he heats up, he can take over an entire quarter of his, with his scoring. But those guys just don't really interest me, unless you're really offensively deprived. Um but that's not the Kings. Like I said, between Barnes and Bogdanovich, I want a little bit more defense here. And I don't feel like you're getting that from Terrence Ross at all. I know you're a little bit higher on him here, though, Rich. And Tim Maxwell, that's one of his guys that he really likes as well. What's your argument for Ross? Uh, I think a big part of the argument is positional scarcity. Because really, I'm not super high on him. It's just when we're going through the options that small forward and we also talked about him as a shooting guard in the shooting guard uh podcast as well in that episode um it's just not a ton of options i mean you get past as far as the wings go once we got past the elite guys and then got past you know brogdon and danny green as shooting guards and now barnes and bogdanovich as small forwards it's just like this these positions dry up so fast that I struggle to find other guys to talk about as potential starters or um, even six men, that type of a role. I think Ross absolutely has that, that pure scorer ability that if you, you, if you, if you, if you need a second, if your second unit needs a boost offensively, he's a fantastic guy to sign. And there's an argument to be made for the Kings that, they do need more scoring off the bench, but you know, again, like if the price tag is fifteen million a year, yeah. there's definitely better places to put it in my mind. Yeah, especially for you don't want your backup small forward to be getting like the second most amount of money on your team too. Especially when the starting small forward gets the most. Yes. Um, but for all three of those guys, just to check price range, I think that. It could vary, but it's going to be, I could see 10 million up to what you said, probably 15 million would be close to my max for them. If someone pays Ariza 15 million, they're, they're not smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, like he a one year? But he made, he had, a, he got a one year, $15 million contract last year. And I could see a team being like, listen, we know you mailed it in. It was the Suns and the Wizards. Come back and give us – it's just the scarcity of the position. Like, to get a real small forward is, is difficult to do. And say say Bogdanovich does return to Indiana and Barnes does return to Sacramento, the teams that miss out on Kawhi, Jimmy, and, and Chris Middleton, if they're looking at their roster like, man, we really need a 3 and D wing, I, I don't know. I could see it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was surprising that the, that the Suns signed him last year, but – I don't think it's impossible to see a world where just whatever team's got 20 million left after all the big guys are gone, maybe the Bulls just say for whatever reason we're the Bulls and we don't make a lot of sense or we'll pay Ariza 15 million for one year. <laughs> that would be bad. They have Auto Porter too. <laughs> yeah. Getting a lot of money. I mean, kind of what it is is that these teams with a lot of money have these dreams of getting these up top top tier guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jimmy Butler type players that if they strike out on those, what's the point in getting a serviceable guy right now that if, if you're, if you don't have goals of a championship, like him signing in Phoenix, I understood it as a veteran presence. Sure. But that doesn't make sense for what a razor should be next year to me. Uh, one team that does kind of interest me there with a little bit of money that I think they could strike out on big guys would be Dallas. Uh, they're looking at like 46 million they're going in with. I mean, they got to re-sign KP, but they have been linked to, you know, Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton. Likely they strike out on those. I could see a Trevor Ariza maybe getting some type of contract there. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's there. If we were just talking 
if you're looking at for a backup three, is there a certain amount of money that you're looking to spend? I know a value is based on what you're getting, but does it feel like this is there's about a value range that you're looking to spend on a backup three? Um, it kind of depends like on who's available. I personally probably like I'd be okay with a ten million plus guy depending on who that guy is. Like if it's Terrence Ross who you're signing, then I'd be okay with him getting at least fifteen mil, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. But ideally I like a guy in like the ten million less range because I just don't want to overpay or pay a lot for a backup small forward. Yeah, I think that it's probably gonna be this next tier of guys that it's it's again it's hard to predict exactly how much money they'll go for. I have down here this is my five million dollar tier, but uh, I I mean I could see, so Greg told us yesterday just to tack two million on to everybody. It's just a general rule because free agency always surprises him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know I you could even really rename this tier the five to seven and a half million dollar tier or something like that. But are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. The next three guys I have on this list are Reggie Bullock, James Ennis, and Thabo Cephalosha. And just um, before you guys hop in on any of these, I kind of, I grouped them together because I felt like Bullock is a, is a really strong offensive player and Cephalosha is a really strong defensive player. And then I kind of have Ennis as kind of a little bit of both, where he's he's more of a two-way guy, but not really outstanding in either. So this is my kind of uh, mid-level type guy. This is my sort of my middle tier of, of guys before we get into sort of the $4 million, $3 million range. Um, I like Reggie Bullock out of this tier the most. Um, I wrote about him. I think it was the second wing I wrote about. Um, I also offered him like in the seven to seven and a half million range just because he's a really good shooter. I think, um, I think he was 38.8% around that range or 38%. Um, if the Kings can get that off the bench, that would be really useful as a, especially as a low usage guy. Um, he was a starter with Detroit, averaged some career highs. Uh, he had some really good chemistry with Blake Griffin. Um, one of their best shooters as well. But then he got traded to L.A. and his numbers dipped because L.A. was just a whole mess towards the end of the season. But if you can get Reggie Bullock, I'd offer like a two or a three year for at least seven and seven to seven and a half million a year. I think that would be a pretty good, pretty good deal as a backup small forward. I do like Bullock. I think that he he does feel a little bit undersized to me in that three spot. But I think that he can get it done. I do like the three and D. A question I want to propose to you guys is that. What really is the difference between James Ennis and like Trevor Ariza? I mean, Ariza has more prestige to him and has been through more, I guess, more of a veteran and you could say more strength there, but I really don't feel like the shooting is all that different. I mean, last year it was 2% better for James Ennis given Ariza did have a down year from deep. Um, and I guess you can say the defense is better on Ariza, but how much different is it really between those players? I think that. Ariza has done it for longer and proved it. And he's all, he's also has, uh, 102 playoff games under his belt, Trevor Ariza. And I'm, I don't know how many Ennis does. I think he's got a couple, but I don't <laughs> rock in the triple digits. I can, I can pull this up. He's got 17. So, yeah. um, okay. it, I think it's just that experience factor. Okay. Totally fair. But in regards to, you know, encore production, I think that, I really would be very comfortable with anybody in this tier. I like Cephalosha, like you said. There's defense there, but he also is capable of hitting that three-point shot, even though he has some health concerns compared to these other guys. Um, I really feel like this is the tier where it feels very realistic, and I would be extremely comfortable with landing any of the, these three guys in that backup three role. 
Yeah, Cephalosha is an interesting one because uh, he does have health concerns. He's also 35 years old. Um, I think he played like 12 minutes a game with Indiana. Um, he was a 40% three-point shooter as well, but it was on minimal attempts. And also, um, when shooters shot three-pointers against him, they were only 23.6%. But again, it was like on one attempt a game almost, so it's not like the biggest sample size, but... I think he would be a really good bargain if you can get him for three to four million, maybe for like a year at most, maybe because he's only 30. He's already 35 years old. So who knows if he can keep it going for long, especially with his previous health concerns. He actually shot 43% from deep last year. I I did not realize this. That's insane. I mean, over 50 games. uh, I also didn't know he had an all defensive team 2009, 2010. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. would really like Cephalosha for this team. I think he brings it on both ends. He's a totally, like, elite defender still. I mean, again, like you mentioned with Ariza, Ariza being 34 and Dabo being 35. But, like, until I see them really fall off, I, I really think that sometimes great defenders, they're just, like, so smart and they make the right decisions so frequently yeah. that it's not so much their body falling apart. Like you had mentioned with Horford as well yesterday. Um if you if if you want a guy on the on the court that's going to make the right decisions, um, you know that that's that's something that I think is worth like five thousand. You know, excuse, excuse me, thousand five million dollars a year. Uh, maybe it's a one year deal, you know. But uh, he made a little four and a half last year for Utah, so that feels like an okay range. And you're right, the the injuries are a real thing. Um, Ennis also he hasn't had as serious of injuries to my recollection, but it's more nagging stuff. And Ennis uh, has been like a, a perennial breakout candidate and then he gets another injury. So that stuff sort of happens. And um, at this point though, I think you just, you try to grab him and you try to, to make him maybe a non-essential part of the team where you don't feel like you have to rely on them for 20, 20 plus minutes a night, but you kind of can conserve them and, Hope that they're healthy uh, for a playoff push or something like that. You know, situational yeah. uh, like that. Also, I just want to correct myself. I said Cephalosha plays for Indiana. I meant Utah. <laughs> you know, it's yellow jerseys. You know. <laughs> um, you know, one other guy that I want to throw in here. I know you have him listed as a power forward because he played that a lot in Brooklyn with all their crazy amount of wings. But I feel like Damari Carroll uh, really fits this tier and belongs in the same group. What are your guys' opinions on that? I think Damari Carroll is probably going to get more money than the 3 to $4 million range. Um, he is going to be 33 by the end of next season, but he offers like a really good veteran defensive presence, as well as being able to guard the 3 and the 4. Um, he's not really like the best of shooters. He's pretty inefficient from almost like everywhere on the court. Except above the break threes, he's pretty good from there in like the left corner three. But if you're looking for a guy who can play off ball, um, not really shoot as much, but give you a good defensive presence, then I think Carroll could be that guy as well as having some playoff um, experience as well. That could help the Kings in the long run. Or not the long run, the short run, having his like mentorship style as well for these young guys. Yeah, I, I totally... I agree with this. Carroll's a been a guy that I've keyed on since early last season. I thought that he would become um, an unnecessary part of the Nets team, and I, I tried. He slumped early in the year too, and I was trying to get him off the Nets and onto the Kings. I, I thought that some second rounders would be able to grab him as an expiring, uh, um, or perhaps even. He was a pretty similar salary with uh, Zebo, so I was thinking we don't even need to take out any any money. Just try to switch swap Zebo for Carroll in a couple of seconds. I thought that might have gotten it done, but he figured it out by the end of the year. Really picked up his shooting really well. Um, I'll say that after I I talked with Greg about it, Greg told me that he was trash and he was done. And as soon as he said that, <laughs> Carroll was shooting like forty five percent from three. Uh, but um, yeah, no and. As far as the position, he's one of those guys that's like so completely on the borderline. I almost wanted to put him in into both categories, but um, I use basketball reference to to make this list, and they have him as power forward. That's fine. I, I get it. Like he's a little bit, he's getting less mobile each year. Thirty three years old, but 
absolutely is in this tier uh, as far as as money wise as, as far as I'm concerned. You know, looking at the next tier of guys, before we go into all the names, I don't feel like Corey Brewer is that much of a fall off between these guys. I mean, maybe he's getting a less minutes because he's 33, but Cephalosha's 35 with, I believe, even more injury concerns. Um, I could make a real argument that I prefer Brewer over any of these guys, I feel like. Uh, I'd be really happy if Corey Brewer comes back because I definitely give him because he signed a three year deal towards the end of the season. I'd probably offer a four mil deal for the four million deal for the entire season just because he has great energy off the bench. Um, he's also a really pesky defender. You don't have to give him a ton of minutes for him to be impactful with like him poking out loose balls or going after loose balls, like being the scrapper type of player that he is. But he doesn't really offer like the the shooting aspect. But it's not like the biggest deal if you can get him for four million a year. If you do bring back Brewer, I'd like him to be like an end-of-the-bench guy, which means that you'd probably have to get a little more of an upgrade to be a backup that gets more minutes. But if you bring back Corey Brewer and don't sign any other backup free agents at small forward, I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally fine with that, too. I do think that he's just a little bit below guys like Dabo. I mean, Dabo is just so elite uh, at defending, in my opinion. Uh, defending the three, that Brewer is very, very good, but just a, just a little step below. And then, you know, Bullock and Ennis are still in their 20s, so that's kind of why I separate them out a little bit. But Brewer, you know, if he has a good year, if he stays healthy, he could give you just as much impact. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Brewer being at the top of the next tier for me yeah. it, and knowing that he's already – uh, you know, been in Sacramento that he's, that we would just, if there's a way to just keep him around, it, I totally get what you're saying. We're just as happily have him than the guys that we just mentioned. And I do agree with you. I think that those three that we had mentioned, the Bullock and Esephalosha are a tier above Brewer in regards to money, but in what they bring to the Kings, I feel like I could justify having Brewer uh, over those three guys or in place of, um, and then this next tier of, minimum contracts um just to compare like there's guys like brewer vince carter and then also stanley johnson his layman uh do you have a preference between if you have an opportunity to get someone that has high upside versus a veteran presence i just wanted to let me hop in to explain why i've even got some of these guys in here i just really a lot of these guys i think the cutoff is around you know vince carter Corey brewer I threw in Lance Stevenson because I know he's a favorite of yours, Brendan. What? And, and no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not true. Those are like, and then I just I, I felt like I had to throw in all the younger guys too, as just on the list as someone to consider for a little bit above the minimum because there still is some upside. So that's Mario Hazonia, Jake Lehman, Stanley Johnson, Wayne Selden, Dorian Finney-Smith, and David Nawaba. Sorry to cut you off, Sanjish, but just to... No, that's all good. Um, one guy that I think is probably a little bit above this tier, he's not proven, but I did write about him, and his name is Daniel House. Um, he's a really good 40% three-point shooter. He only played 39 games, I think, this year for Houston, but he instantly became a fan favorite because he offered the Rockets some versatility at small forward. Um, he also played, I think, like 40% of his minutes at power forward this year, so that aspect of his game is there. Um, he is going to be a restricted free agent, which he's indicated he wants to stay, and the Rockets indicated that they would match offers for him. So I'm not sure how much I would really offer. I'd probably want to do like a seven to eight million a year because he's a really good three point shooter. Um, he can get to the rim on isolation plays. He's a really good energy guy on both ends of the floor. Despite him not having like the standout defensive numbers, he can still guard the three and four off the bench. Um, I'd put him in the tier. He's probably a tier in his own, maybe below Ubre, but above Bullock if he is more proven. But since he's not really proven, I'd put him in the same category as Bullock, Ennis, and Cephalosho. But if the Kings can get him, I'd be really, really, really happy with that. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, and you mentioned he's restricted, but it's not like Houston has money to be thrown around. And I think that mm-hmm. if you did have him in that range that you're talking of, that 
I, I just don't see Houston offering that same amount. And I know that part of the reason he's a favorite there is because he's from Houston, Texas, went to mm-hmm. Texas A&M and all that. But he is a very serviceable player. Like you said, I mean, anybody that's shooting plus 40% from deep on, what is it, 4.6 attempts per game uh, and – when you play in that Houston system, in order to succeed there, you have to know your role and accept that role. And he very clearly fits that. Um, mm-hmm. That's a very interesting guy. I hadn't fully considered him here. Uh, I would be very intrigued and interested in bringing him to Sacramento. Yeah, he's a primarily he's a three point shooter. He's like green on like almost every single three point area um, and above league average on every single three point area. He's not a mid range guy. He he only took one mid-range attempt outside of the free throw line. Um, he's also a 61% finisher on the rim on 69 attempts, which is nice. Um, I think if you can somehow lure him over from Houston, that would be a really, really good move for the Kings. Underrated move. That's yeah, that's really that's a good one. That's definitely an oversight on my part. Um, Definitely, definitely an oversight for me to not include him here on that small forward list, especially I personally would probably put him in that uh, Vince Carter, Corey Brewer, like the, the three and a half million group with really the real the real group would be with the younger guys like Zonia Lehman, Johnson, yeah. those, those guys, because um, most of them are RFAs as well. Um, my only concern with House is that we hear so much about sample size and while he definitely did do it, you know what I mean? While he did yeah. what he was supposed to do, it's still only, what, uh, so less than a, a full, less than half the season, 39 mm-hmm. he played. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt that he's a, he's a quality player and deserves a little over the minimum. Uh, my only fear is that if he were to go to a team that doesn't have James Harden with, like, the gravity that he does, you know, pulling – Pulling defenders away and towards him, that mm-hmm. that to a more, you know, not like a, he's not going to turn into a bad shooter all of a sudden necessarily, but if he turns into a less exceptional guy on a team that doesn't necessarily have, you know, the best scorer, best offensive player in the league, um, I probably wouldn't want to go out and give him like seven million or something. Yeah, that's completely fair. I, I um, the only thing is like I just kind of want to, if I were to offer him something. I'd want to offer enough where the Rockets are like lean or not lenient, but the Rockets are iffy on matching the offer because I really I'm really high on House for some reason. Um and just some other stats to throw out there. The Rockets were a ten point five a plus ten point five per hundred possessions when he was on the floor, which was the highest mark on the team, even though it was only thirty nine games. Um also he his shot completely abandoned him in the playoffs, but on defense, um opponents shot 4.3 attempts a game from the perimeter, but they only converted on 20% of those attempts when house guarded, which I really liked. And, you know, interesting, since we're talking about Houston, I mean, Houston traded away James Ennis practically just to clear his contract and then gave mm-hmm. most of those minutes to Daniel house. So I think there's something to be said about that. It's a great point. Um, but that's a restricted free agent. You're talking about paying him a little more because of that. Uh, a couple of other guys that fit that category, I don't think I like them as much as House, are uh, Jake Lehman. Actually, I would put him on the same level as House. But after that, Stanley Johnson, who got a chance to get a new environment in New Orleans, that didn't work out too well. Wayne mm-hmm. Selden, Dorian Finney-Smith, David Nwaba. Um, a lot of these guys seem to only have one thing. And I mean, once you reach this later tier, uh, that's really what you come down to is you have one NBA skill that's keeping you in the league. Do any of these guys interest you here? Um, I would put like Stanley Johnson in that same like type of class as like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who we know opted in because he wasn't going to touch that money elsewhere. Um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's also a three, four guy and he can play small ball five, but they all, they all have one thing in common is they can't stretch the floor as well. But they all can give you like six to eight points. They all bring in rebounds. But if I can pick one from this list, I'd probably go with Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, he's a six-eight guy. He fits the young timeline. Rebounds at five a game, I think. Um, but the thing is, he can't shoot the three-point pointer as well. But it's much better than like Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson. Um, he's also a pretty good defender. Opponents were only thirty percent from three on four attempts a game. So I'd complete, or I'd be completely okay with trying to get him a three to four million, three to four million a year offer to come to the Kings, but he's also restricted. 
which is the concern because the Dallas Mavericks also have a lot of money. So there's a possibility they could match as well. But he's probably the highest guy. Um, the guy I'm highest on from this list. I like him too. And it's weird because he is like the least flashy guy. He, you know, essentially a non-shooter. Um, I, I just, I really liked what I saw of him in Dallas. He kind of just makes the right decisions. He's not a big, uh, playmaker, uh, on defense, but he just makes the right, the makes the right decisions. He can switch. He's a good size. Um, he's quick, but not explosive necessarily. He just like kind of meets the threshold for me, um, in so many different categories where he just feels passable. And I, I certainly wouldn't want to rely on him necessarily, but if, like you said, if you can get him for like four million, I think that would be a really interesting guy. Uh, and there's just so many, so many uh, moving pieces in Dallas that I could easily see him getting left out of the loop. Um, one other guy that I'll bring up here: almost all these young guys are restricted, but Mario Hazonia is unrestricted and 24, uh, coming off a, kind of a weird year in New York where. He got some nice highlight plays that dunk over Giannis. I'm sure everyone remembers. Oh yeah, the LeBron block <laughs> and the step over. Yeah, Giannis. yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's still like a really inconsistent guy. Uh, I wonder if you know. I, but there's been interest. I mean, it's it's been reported that there he was a guy that the Kings were interested in. So I don't know if that still exists this year. I, I could see it kind of going either way. Uh, maybe they feel like he's super cheap and they could grab him for, you know, some pennies or, or maybe they saw, maybe they didn't like what they saw in New York and they're, they've moved on completely. But, uh, any interest in Mario Hazonia is kind of like a third draft at this point. Uh, I personally wouldn't target Hazonia. I mean, his best moments came from the point guard when he posted a couple of triple doubles, I think it was, when he ran the point with New York for some odd reason. Um, he does have a six foot eight frame. He's not really the best of defenders. He hits threes at a really bad rate as well. So I'm not counting on him to stretch the floor. I mean, I just wouldn't offer, in my opinion. I don't think he's much of a good fit for this team. That's my stance. Yeah. I mean, I've said it a couple times. I really value a veteran, and I would rather have someone with a little bit more of a presence in that way, almost some mentorship in in a like Corey Brewer, Corey Brewer, Cephalosha. I think that Jared Dudley could be mentioned, even though I understand him being uh, more of a four, probably. Um, I value that a little bit more. And that I think that, you know, if we want an upside three, then maybe Justin James is filling that spot. And I don't see just giving the opportunity and amount of minutes to Hazonia for there to be a chance for him to quote-unquote breakout i think i read that uh vladi sees justin james as a two who can also become a guy who plays minutes at the one i think i believe reading that but that's interesting because he's not necessarily a three in my eyes because he doesn't have like the body build he's pretty thin but so is Corey brewer and he can defend the three in my opinion but i'd rather give justin james the minutes at three if you're going to give him that than what you're going to give in or what you're going to get in his own year. What do you think of Jake Lehman? Um, He's only 25 years old. He ended up once he worked his way into the starting role in Portland, he ended up with 33 total games started only 32% from deep, but it started looking better towards the end of the year. The defense is okay. Um, I mean, he is six, nine, so he's a little bit longer in that regard. Would there be interest in maybe bringing Layman over here? Another one of those restricted guys. Like um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, uh, I like Layman a lot. I he was the I actually bumped him down from the five million range right before we started, just because uh, I think that he really was competent in Portland. I I mean, you know, I, some some of the skills, some of the flasher skills aren't there. Um, not a high flyer, not a great shooter, but. I think he really hung with that team and, um, you know, the, a lot of the metrics look totally fine. The plus minus stuff looks all right for him. And I think of that group, I think Stan Johnson's been a disappointment and, uh, a lot of these guys have been disappointments. Whereas Layman, I think is trending upward the right direction. 
I kind of see that too with Lehman. Although I'm not really high on him, he's also um, shooters were 31.7 percent when uh, he guarded from the perimeter, which is also a really good mark. I'm not sure if I would want Lehman on my team, but I think he's he he fit really well with Portland, and I think he probably stays in Portland. But he's not a bad he's not a bad player at all, though. He's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think part of him starting that many games was that Portland just had a very clear hole at the three. So it wouldn't surprise me if they obviously brought him back. Um, the guy that's at the very bottom of your list that interests me just because he is a defensive hound and I have a soft spot for those guys is David Nawaba. And yes. I would probably consider him more of a two guard. Um, but if you just wanted to bring someone in to just completely just like I said, I mean, hound the ball and be a dog on the defensive end. He hit 32% from deep, so he at least can stand out there and he will shoot it if he's open. Uh, it's not a number one option, number two option by any means, but I do like David Nwaba as a player because I like the hustle and intensity he brings. Um, I remember Richard and I wrote about him last year um, when we were looking at small four targets and they eventually got... Um, well, uh, Cleveland eventually got him, but I'm not high on Waba because he has a 6'4 frame, so I don't know why he was playing small forward a lot, which I think he had 70% of his minutes come from the small forward position. Um, he's not the best shooter from three, but one concerning stat is that opponents were 40% from three when he got it on 3.3 attempts a game. So I'm pretty sure like the height difference probably factors in there because opponents who are much taller can get cleaner looks with a 6'4 guy guarding them. So I don't, I'm not sure where I really stand with Nawab, but he's probably much lower on my list because of his frame and playing him at the three probably won't work as well. So that's where I stand. I'm really high on Nawaba, uh relative to, you know, I mean, it, when I say I'm high on him, I'm, I'm saying that he deserves more than, than the minimum. Essentially, at this point, he's not a guy who's going to get over $5 million in a contract, even even if a team is super high on him. Um I just, I think that he's a tremendous defender. I've seen him, you know, it's only a couple of possessions, but I've seen him shut down some of the best players in the game. You can find highlights of him shutting down LeBron on uh, certain possessions. And yeah, he's 6'4", but he's got a seven foot wingspan. Um, and he just plays tough and he's incredibly strong and he'll surprise you. And, and maybe, he, you know, he certainly can't start at small forward and play those kinds of minutes. But when you get an energy guy off the bench who's going to, work his absolute hardest for five minutes, uh, you know, at a time um, coming off the bench and gets his defensive assignment. And he's got to dig down and, and, and try to shut someone down. He can really do it. And he can also get out and transition and run and dunk. And um, I mean, I think he's an athletic guy. I think, I think that's kind of, you know, his technical skills are not incredible, not a great passer, uh, you know, not a great shooter, but, you know, I, I'm not, you know, he also doesn't have necessarily the best IQ, at least offensively. But I mean, yeah, like you, like you've mentioned, Brendan, you, you got a soft spot for these guys that give 100% effort, uh, on defense. And this is a guy that would absolutely do that. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in love with, with Noaba as a, as a target for the Kings necessarily. But if we're talking about, you know, having to cut a second round pick, for him, I'm open to that. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform they give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app Podcoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can learn, earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins 
towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. What do you guys think about uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson? You know, personally, um, I think that being a non-shooter and not being athletic, those if you if you if you can't stroke from outside and you aren't gonna really dog somebody on defense and you're not really gonna be high flying and um, and really crushing a transition game, I'm not sure the fit for the Kings. He's got the right size, and then that's kind of where it ends for me. And we had Anthony Puccio on our podcast uh, a couple weeks back, and he said that. Uh, he was really the odd man out in Brooklyn this year, so I, I personally am low on him. Yeah, I think I'm the same way here, and I'm completely blown away that he's only 24 years old. Definitely thought that guy was older, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking 18% from deep last year, I know he's not shooting them often, but it's because he can't shoot threes. Um <laughs> The defense is nice, uh, but it's not enough for me to be like, you know, that's the only thing that you bring. Um, so I'm willing to offer him that contract. I think that as a, what, third string small forward that I could have some interest there if he was thinking minimum, but it's nothing that jumps off the page at me that if, you know, we were going to do this exercise of having three offers, uh, Hollis Jefferson doesn't really cross my mind. Yeah, probably the same thing there. Um, I mean, the 18% from three, I know it's minimal attempts, but that's still like a pretty yeah. scary number. Um, he is pretty versatile. He can, you know, play the three and four with that size. And I think he played small ball five at times in some lineups. Um, but it's just not there for the Kings, in my opinion, for a good fit. So, so I've also got at the end of my list, I got guys that I didn't even include. Um, I'll just throw out there because because the small forward position is so uh, incredibly necessary to have just bodies. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I'm down the list of guys that didn't even make the cut from my list. And if anyone jumps out to you, let me know. Um, I'll kind of do a lightning round here. I have Gerald uh, Gerald Green, Luol Dang, Darius Miller, Wilson Chandler. Uh, those uh, those are guys that I think will still be in the NBA next year. Uh, they're all vets. And then it, uh, I heard that Furkan Korkmaz is going back to Turkey, which is a bummer because I would have liked to see him on the Kings, only 21 years old. Uh, and then there's a huge uh, – oh, there's two other guys, um, Justin Anderson and Timothy Luau Cabarro are also unrestricted. And then there's a huge group of guys that are on non-guarantees that if any of these guys are cut, which I don't, I don't know if they will be or not. It's kind of hard to tell. A lot of them, I'm thinking probably not, but if any of them are cut, I would like to see them get the last spot on the Kings roster. Big list coming here. Glenn Robinson, the third, Derek Jones, Jr., Travion Graham, Sfi Michaeliuk, uh, Semi Ojale, Dwayne Bacon, Sindarius Thornwell, Dylan Brooks. Damian Dotson, Abdel Nader, Royce O'Neal, Afonso McKinney, and Ryan Brokoff. I think one guy from your earlier list that I would probably be a little bit interested in would be Wilson Chandler. Um, if you're looking for a veteran presence, I think he would definitely fit that bill. Um, he only played 51 games this year, but he can play. His size allows him to play power forward and small forward, which he did with um, both the 76ers and with the Clippers. Um when he was with the 76ers, um, obviously he wasn't like a main option over there with Ben Simmons, um, Jimmy Butler coming in, uh, Joel Embiid. But he was also a 39% three-point shooter on 3.3 attempts, which I think could benefit the Kings off the bench. Gives you some versatility there. Also, he averaged 4.7 rebounds, which the Kings could probably use off the bench as well. Um, I probably would place him in the tier below um, the James Ennis Bullock tier. So if Wilson Chandler gets like a really cheap deal for the Kings. I don't hate it at all. Yeah, he's definitely him and Gerald Green were the two names that stood out to me. And I do think that Gerald Green being from Houston loves being there on that team. But um, Chandler offers a bit more defense than Gerald Green does. But I like the shooting and scoring that Green offers. He's older, but he's still uh an extremely athletic guy. He always been has been his entire career. Um, those two guys do interest me. I think that 
I wouldn't be upset and I could see them having a role as maybe a third, like I said, a third small forward on this team. Um, but I, I'm, co- I'm fairly confident that if we offered Brewer the right contract that wouldn't cost too much, that we could get him in that third spot. And I definitely prefer Brewer over those two. Yeah, I'd probably pick Corey Brewer over those two as well. Just because like the few games you saw him with the Kings, he fit in really well with his energy. I like to, I like him to shoot the three a little bit more. I know he pump faked a lot and tried to drive in and create players like that. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But if he can let it fly a little, he was making some of those threes. And also that little, I think he scored 10 points, I believe, or 11 points in that Warriors game. Um, to get the Kings back in it. I thought that was a really good promising stretch as well to, he obviously he's not going to average that in a game on a game to be on a game to game basis. But if you can just let it fly more often than pump faking, I think he could also make some minimal noise from the backup spot as well. And I think that we can move into the sort of contracts that we would offer. So it, it, correct me if I explain this wrong, Rich, but we're going forward with, and we'll assume that we have Barnes back. So we're looking at this backup small forward position. But if you had one contract that you could offer, it's not guaranteed to accept in any sort of way, but you only have one offer you're allowed to put on the table for any of these small forwards, what is that contract, years and money, and who are you giving it to? Starting with me. Uh, feel free. Um, so are we going to assume that Barnes is retained for the for the purposes of this? I think we should. Okay, so assuming Barnes is retained, and then we're talking about uh, backup small forwards, I'm going to start with – I'm going to start with that – Bullock and his Cephalosha tier, and I think that based on what I've read from Sanjish and from what he's talked about today, I think he's really won me over on, on Reggie Bullock. I think that there's no amount of shooters that you can have on your bench. I, adding another shooter to the bench, I think that his game's pretty limited in that. He's not going to give you a ton of defense. He's probably not even really a small forward in terms of who he can guard. Uh, I Just as a guy who can run off screens and spot up. I'll stay Reggie Bullock at three years, 20 million. You want to take second here, Sanjish? Uh, just one offer or multiple offers? Uh, just one now, and then we'll go through a couple after. Just one. But your okay. first one, yeah. Let's see. Um, if I can pick one guy off this list, I'd, I'd go after uh, Terrence Ross, and I'd give him three years... Uh, let's see, three years. I'll give Terrence Ross three years for $40.5 million. And yeah. that's just looking for a little bit more scoring off the bench, I would take it? Yeah, he gives you he gives you scoring in multiple ways. Um, just my concern is his usage rate. How is How efficient is he with the ball in his hands much less than it was in Orlando? But the scoring is definitely going to be there. Okay. I'm going to go with that same tier as Rich, but I'm going to go with a different guy. I'm going to go Tabo Cephalosha, and I really like the defense that he's going to bring. I think that being a mentor for some of these other guys and just being a smart defender rather than a capable defender um, is extremely valuable to have on your roster. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much I feel would because, I mean, part of this is that you're overpaying a bit since you only have one offer. Let's say I'm giving him a two-year, let's call it $17 million contract. Oh, no, I, I just think that's solid for a guy his age. I think he would take that in a second. Yeah, he in a heartbeat. Yeah, and it, you know what, like I said, it's a little bit of an overpay, but you have some money to spend, and it's not going to lock you up long-term or anything. Um, I had Cephalosha, Rich, you had Bullock, and then we had Terrence Ross, now, let, let's call it reverse, reverse order if we're going what your second option would be. Um, I'm going to stick pretty basic here. I think I'm just going to go a Corey Brewer, just giving him a, a two-year, $8 million contract. I don't think that he gets more than that, and I think that's enough to bring him back. And like we've said a couple times, I'm really comfortable with him. Um, I think I think he definitely takes that as well. Um... I'm going to go as my second option off this list. It would be Reggie Bullock. If he can accept a two-year offer for, let's say, $14.5 million or $14 million, 
then I think you're getting a really good bargain off the bench. I will go with I'll, – I'll agree with Brennan. I think Brennan and I are on the same page here. I, You know how much I love Corey Brewer, so I got to give him love right there. And then maybe we'll go one final one here, and then we'll try to agree on a consensus top three. Um, do you want to – we'll have you start on this one, Sanji. You got one more offer that you're able to throw out there. Who are you looking at? I would pick Corey Brewer as my third guy, um, just as like – a last resort option in in a way but just because i would really love house to be on this team i'd give daniel house i mean i wrote that i would give daniel house like a four million or four year 34 million like so that's about eight million a year um i down that to two years and 16 million if he lives up to that contract it would definitely be a really good um definitely be a really good move and you want to take second one here rich yeah, I, I'll just react to that real quick. I, that's interesting. I a four year deal I think would be would be a little bit crazy for a guy with forty games only, but um, I think that you're onto something there. And you could even go with a one on one and see if you know if he wants to you know give him give him one year plus a player option of another year and kind of give him that control because he hasn't had control for so long. I mean, this is the first time in his life he'd have control. I think he. Didn't he play for like a quarter of a million dollars last year or something like that prorated? Yeah. So yeah, I, I would be on board with like uh, you know um, seven seven million. What, what, what did you come down on? To, what was your total number? Like, if I can really think about it, it'd be two years, sixteen million. Yeah, I, I think that. Would be, I mean, that'd be interesting to give him a like a one plus one at eight million a year, something, something like that. I think I'd get on board for that. Maybe a little less, but. Yeah. Uh, for my third guy, I'll throw a flyer out there. Not a guy I expect anyone to really get on board with, but I think that the the interest in Mario Hazonia was was uh, was real last uh, summer. It, you know, at least it appeared that way, and um, maybe that's dead and gone. But I know Vlade uh, does like his euros, and and so do I. So. Uh, I'd take a flyer on him, give him that same contract he got last year from the Knicks. I believe it was one year, $5 million. That's all you get, Mario. I'll offer you that one year, $5 million and see if you can finally uh, finally achieve that potential. But uh, I just, I don't know. I, he, I, he's got the size that I like, and, and if you could finally get it together, I'd be really excited for him. Yeah. Super Mario. And I think that part of my question earlier of do you prefer like a veteran presence or a guy that has potential upside – I'm definitely in the veteran presence here. And you said some team was going to be crazy to do it. I think that I will be the crazy team and that my third guy, I'm going to do a one-year 15 at Ariza. I think that the Kings have some money that I really would like the presence that Ariza would bring. Rich, you had a good point of the difference between him and Ennis is an insane amount of playoff games. There's a championship in Trevor Ariza. Um, I think that, you know, just having that for one year and that also, I mean, when we're talking about trade packages, it is so difficult to find somebody that fits and is able to match contracts with a lot of guys that you would be interested in and having one of those mid kind of range contracts salary wise really works for that regard as well. So I think that if you got to a point in the year where you realized you weren't getting the value in him, that you could also move that contract. But my third one, I'm going to go one year, 15 at Ariza. Yeah, I was just going to say that too, as far as, uh, you know, if for whatever reason the Kings really struggle and they're out of it, you know, early by the trade deadline, I feel like that was part of the reason the Suns picked him up too, is they felt that they could move him if they, they struggled. Um, and they I got guess, Ubre out of it. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. yeah. Happened fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a weird trade. The, it, the whole, <laughs> thing it's so it's hard, so hard to deal with the wizards but um yeah i mean I, I think that i think that that would be great i i we talked about danny green around that 15 million dollar range and i don't think it's crazy to put a reason in that same ballpark so if we try to convince um try to agree here on three different players uh the one the one guy that was in two of our lists was Reggie Bullock and Corey Brewer. They, they were the only guys that were in two of the three. Um, and Bullock was not in my list. Brewer was not in Sanjish's. 
I feel like I'm comfortable with including those two guys in our three that we would come away with. Anybody have anything to say against either of those two? I'd be completely okay with Brewer as my third option. Okay. Just if, like, you're... Say the Kings have, like, two top targets. If they both strike out and you bring in Brewer as, like, just, like, an emergency... Well, not really an emergency plan, but as your plan C, then that's completely fine. I've got a... Yeah, I've got a proposition here. If you guys agree with it it seems like uh if we do it kind of by the tiers it seems like there was some interest among several of us in ross in that in that 10 million dollar range then ennis in that five million dollar range and brewer in that maybe three million dollar range uh i'd sign off on that if you guys would i probably want bullock over ennis that's the only one Oh, I'm sorry. I, I totally meant to say Bullock for whatever. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ross. Because, yeah, you and I both uh, like Bullock. Bullock is my first guy. So, yeah, Ross, Bullock, Brewer? Uh, that's fine for me. Yeah, I can do that. I mean, with shooting guards, you had to talk me into getting Terrence Ross on my list. I'm just not huge on him. I would prefer Rizzo over Ross. But for the sake of this, I, I can agree to Ross. I wouldn't hate him in Sacramento or anything like that. So... I'm good with that. Done. All right. And I think that is going to do it for this episode. Is there anything else that you guys feel like we want to touch on? Anything that we maybe missed out? No, I don't think so. I think we're good. Plug yourself, my man. Where can we read your work? What do you got? What are you cooking up for us? Um, I'm not really sure right now. I wanted to write about more wings, but I'm probably going to put out like my top 10 list soon. And kind of like what you did with the point guards, I might do the same with the small forwards. But because I've only written about seven and Marcus Morris is also another guy on that list that I wrote about uh, came mm-hmm. out today. I don't know if I want to write about three more because I would make it 10 wings I wrote about. I might just include like short analysis, short analysis stuff on them. But I'm excited, man. I'm hopefully the Kings can really hit a home run on this uh, free agency than they did with the draft. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Sanjish. We're going to definitely have to have you back. Thank you. I mean, if you guys do the center preview, I'd be down for that, too, because I've been looking into a lot of centers, too. We would yeah. definitely let you know. I think that we have that plan for Friday. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll be in contact with that. But thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again tomorrow. Be sure to send us any sort of salary cap related questions, maybe player extensions, when players are going to be eligible for that, deadlines, cap holds, anything like that, because we have a CBA expert coming on for tomorrow's episode. And that is Jeff uh, Siegel, I believe is the last name, right, Rich? Yeah, I believe so. It's so tough with everyone on Twitter because we, we never actually hear their names spoken aloud, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's the editor over at Peachtree Hoops. That's the Hawks blog uh, for SB Nation. And then he also runs uh, a really great website. Actually, one that uh, helped me form these lists of free agents. It's all in one place over at earlybirdrights.com. Uh, I'm going to plug him again uh, this evening on Twitter. Make sure you guys know about his site uh, before we record with him tomorrow because... Uh, quite frankly, I've got a ton of questions for him that, that I can't wait to get answered regarding the cap. Yeah, same here. And it's going to be nice to be able to have that connection that we were able to get those questions answered at any point with all the ridiculous amount of complications. But stay tuned for that one tomorrow. Keep an ear out. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode. Have a great rest of your day.